it may shock you to hear, but when I think of who am I, what is it that makes me up, like musician is not one of the first words. Music just happens to be the vehicle. This is Champagne is also a band podcast. One songwriter, one song. I'm Sven, your host for a journey into the music of Champagne Urbana. Recorded in a blue box studio with a songwriter from the Champagne Urbana music scene, past or present. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to be a part of the Champagne Showers podcast network. Welcome to Champagne is also a band podcast. Today, I will be talking with Humbly G. You may know Humbly G from such bands, groups, collaborations as Brook and Shade, Suspicious Activity, Ladder Fight, Jam Band, which was in Ecuador, Catellus and Co., Rogue Tendency, which is where I saw you first, Smoke and Space, and your solo project, which is Humbly G. So, Humbly G, welcome Thank to you. the program. Thank you so much for having me. We're going to be listening to your song, Wake Up. Without further ado, let's listen to the song. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. You know, I know a lot of people who get defeated before they even get going in the day. I know a lot of people who get defeated even when they're doing stuff in the day. What type of mentality do you have? I see a lot of walls but few bridges Everything's on me against you but what's bigger? The picture becomes clear with age and more futile The efforts that we play, you know we control the changes Fate may be swayed if we don't ignore the rules of the game Then some things never change Whether you can or you can't, you're probably right I should follow my own advice Raised to believe, do what I say, not what I do, but also told to practice what I preach. So I stopped praying, but I kept on acting right, and soon enough, what I wished for became my life. My life. As I wake up with the dawn. Meditation, study abroad, I knew nobody, but I was intimate with waiting. Going home was the main thing on my mind. Felt like I could do anything if I was somewhere where I knew anybody spoke the language, could get a job, wouldn't feel trapped to languish. You know, things every college kid's supposed to want. A break from life, but it's a break I didn't want. I didn't so I tried to learn what I could. Get my language skills up, maybe someday I'll be good Man, I really was depressed, yeah, I lost my connection Living for fear and I hope Ain't surprising I was stressing As I wake up with the dawn You know, my first and favorite question is usually what came first, the music or the lyrics. But since this is the lyrics mainly, let's just kind of jump in. Like, you know, you start off in the beginning with the, I see a lot of walls, but very few bridges. Was there something in particular in your life that was going on that you just, that this inspired you to to write? So I wrote this a little over a year and a half ago. It was right before COVID started, actually. So there were a lot of walls, not just in my life, but in the lives of other people around 
me, not just here, but around the world that were being dealt with at that time. And so it just was very frustrating to me to see the, the same thing echoing in every pond. It didn't matter how big the pond was. The way history repeats itself, I could just see that in that moment just echoing everywhere. And it feels like that was just yesterday that we just dove into this, but yet it feels like that was 10 years ago. And I don't know what has happened to our perception of time because I feel like it's now this new mash of like things we can't really put together and comprehend. So the song is called Wake Up in a lot of ways because of the thing that you're alluding to. And to me, it's this perception of time, the relativity of time. Back when I was 20, I was always so confused about time seems faster or slower to me as it did to my father, for example. And, you know, he'd be like, wow, you did all that this past week. That would have made me tired and you know from the first day and all i could think was well you lost pace even mm. though he's a man in his 60s who went and got four stents for a heart attack and when he came out the doctor said all right this is usually where i tell you you need to start working out and oh you might have the opposite problem and so time to me is more about how many big changes have we mm. had in our life as we get older that number hopefully is slowing down because we've created more stability for ourselves but if we are not just the weakened warrior but the always warrior then we tend to thrust ourselves into more and more situations and as we are able to handle more the situations too grow one of the things that i struggled with when reading the lyrics and listening to your words i kept trying to say to myself okay so is humbly g talking to an audience or is he talking to himself or is he trying to convince himself that you, you know what i mean it's there's this yes who yeah <laughs> so <laughs> i mean when i'll even go broader here so when you typically write your lyrics mm, who's in mind yeah who who are you picturing who do you think about and and that can vary i'm sure but mm. who do you generally think about when you're writing of course I answer this with a story I'm doing this kids program right now uh, with the writers of Oya from in town. It's a group of girls ages 7 to 17. And I saw a group of them this past week. And as one comes in, we're going through poems and things so I can get an idea of pacing and what type of beats we might be looking for to help them make these songs. And someone goes to share a poem and she turns the page in her book and looks at the next poem and is like, mm. and I, without hearing anything else, I just go, isn't it interesting how all of this, that, started as a journal venting process for yourself. And now, as a performer, you have to decide what part of that you're going to actually share. Because that was for you. Right. It doesn't mean it has to go away, but maybe there's a second draft that is for other people. Hmm. Oftentimes now, I still try and make myself sit down and do some sort of rigor discipline like, okay... I don't really normally do it this way, but this time I'm going to imagine that I'm writing for this audience or whatever. Right. In this case, I tried to more so follow suit of, I made the hook first, I believe. Oh. And then that to me created the background template environment for the story to be told. And then the verses came from that. It's interesting you, you cite the hook as the, I don't know, the, the beginning point. Or prompt yeah, or something. Yeah, Because I, I, I feel like cheek, it's, it's it? very, well, I mean, one, you're talking about the beginning of everything, right? You're waking up at dawn. Like mm. every day is a new day to do. I mean, I'm going to wax philosophical here, but like every day is a Please new do. day <laughs> to do something new, to restart, to be a better person to learn from your mistakes and move on. Was that me talking about myself? I don't know. The first line, I wake up at dawn, but the next line is wonder what next will go wrong. Mm -hmm. It's like, are you already kind of setting already yourself pessimistic? Up? Yeah. Oh, just looking for <laughs> bad things. And then immediately the next line is, wait, 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 wait. Saint the type of mind to have. The hook was the part that made me think that it really was you trying to remind yourself every day that, you know, this is something 
to be a better person. Mantras exist for a reason. If we didn't need them, you know, hopefully it will become one day I don't have that second line in mm. my head. Right? Right. But that third line, for now, is there to help wake me up. When you say, hopefully someday I won't have to have that second line yeah. in my life, it's so hard and almost kind of disgusting. I'm, I'm using disgusting because that's how it feels, is to do that wake up and look at yourself in the mirror and be like, you know what? You're okay. You can do it. You, yeah. you know, and, and to, to say anything nice uh, about yourself to yourself feels like the most disgusting thing. It's but, not slimy, but it's, but it's emotionally cheesy and it feels insincere somehow. My sister is a social worker, six years older than me. My only sibling. I had a conversation with her about this and she's like, you know why that sounds cheesy and hokey because it's the first time you're doing it like if you could do it better you wouldn't need to it would be an automatic neural pathway right. you're having to walk yourself through a thing you've never done before and that you may have and i'm speaking for myself rather than for both of us <laughs> is that well it leads in very well with what you just said is like you've spent pretty much the entirety of your life ever since you started looking in the mirror telling yourself that you aren't and i'm saying you meaning me uh that you aren't good enough um that you aren't you know uh worthy and so when you try to reverse it it's just like no i'm sorry the brakes i'm sorry i'm gonna put (laughs) i have to put the kibosh on this like i hear the words coming out of your mouth but i've been hearing the words coming out of your mouth forever before and one and two don't match up (laughs) that's right do you feel like your writing style is is generally this way i always feel like your work has always at least some element of positivity which i don't know if you may agree with that but i always felt like you exude a certain level of positivity so when you do this back and forth of negative positive i'm just curious if that's purposeful yeah a long time ago i tried to figure out what my brand was and i came up with the phrase art for a better world so purposeful yes as far as it comes out with the back and the forth in fact yes as well i have something coming up that i'm hopefully going to be doing that's humble or not and there's going to be a big release of arrogantly g (laughs) by humbly g What I would like to do is basically get people to the point where we need to accept the fact that if we want to be able to be creative, to learn, to feel safe, then we need to be able to be vulnerable. We need to be able to experiment. We need to be able to have these safe spaces to do that without the fear of judgment. Mm. That doesn't mean there is a lack of criticism, but it is constructive. It is not personal and attacking. And the difference is when we listen to a song, we don't go, I don't like that horn because that horn is ugly. No, we go at 30 seconds, there's a horn that distracts me from the main line and I'm not paying attention to the main line anymore. That's constructive criticism. Yeah. And so what I'm trying to get to is I used to have these conversations growing up with my father all the time because he was a big fiction reader as well. Just a reader in general, but a lot with fiction as well. We would talk about it's no good to ignore the bad. At one point, I remember telling him I was like scared about some exam or something coming up when I was a kid. And he's yeah. like, he, he knew I was like really into reading about generals and things. He's like, you realize the best generals are always told like, if they're scared, that's why they're in charge. Hmm. Otherwise, everyone's going to die. Right. You have to care. And if hmm. you don't care, then you won't be scared. Right. The point is, you still do it. It's impossible to be brave if you weren't scared in the first place. At the end of your first verse, there's a line of, you're probably right, should follow follow my my own own advice, advice. raised to believe, do what I say, not what I I do. do. But also told to practice what I preach. Um, While I stopped praying, but kept on acting right, you know, after what you just said, and then having this come in that you go into the hook after that, the, the wake up, kind of this like the opportunity to refresh and change. But then verse two starts off with I ain't a monk, which you just talked about, you know, praying and, uh, but I used to practice meditation. Well, I see, but sorry, I, I jumped there. No, no, you're fine. But that very pointedly was because of a conversation I had with my mother when I got back from my third time studying abroad and that time in Spain. And I had spent the better part of several months 
not really leaving my small apartment room and was creating most of what would lead to the conversation that we're having right now as yeah. far as philosophical beliefs go and meditation. And I would go up to the roof of that building and it was in the middle of Barcelona. So you can imagine mm. busy city. Yeah. But high enough walls. I'm a little short. <clears throat> and close enough tall buildings. You can't see the actual street. So it's the lost in the crowd anonymity feeling, but you're on a roof by yourself, completely safe. So I was able to go up there, close my eyes and be wherever I wanted to be in my own memories, past, etc. And that was where I had my re-understanding of myself and everything else. We can aim our shot as much as we want, but the moment is going to direct us how it will. So rather than fight the tide of the river, I'm trying to go with the flow a little bit more these days. I'm thinking about, you know, your last verse where you're just talking about, so I tried to learn what I could, and I'm hoping I'm not making a presumption here. Well, I am. Sorry. That I, I just totally walked right into that. But, um, so but, correct but me I if I'm wrong. Like, <laughs> yes, please do. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, but, but it feels like you're mentioning the searching but not really finding exactly what you want to do, you want to be, mm. like your. The traveling abroad sounds like a very, like, just finding that thing that you connect with. There's a lot to unpack here, for sure. I'm going to try to make this short. Going abroad definitely opened me up. And in that regard, I've never lived in a town that wasn't my hometown except for in other continents. English was not the primary language. When people see me and they go, where are you from? That's usually what they're reading. And yet I have this very comfortable down-to-earth small town feel about me of like oh it's comforting to be around him he's not gonna like expect anything from me he like probably isn't gonna do anything terribly out of the box but for me the study abroad experiences were what opened me up to stop being afraid to pursue what i wanted and who Mm. i wanted to be and it wasn't until i got away completely from the things that however you want to phrase it, tied me down, anchored me to that identity of who I was, who I was supposed to be, who people thought I was, and who I had been up until that point, whether it was friends, family, strangers. I then had a complete year and a half of, I didn't call home once to a single person during that that year and a half abroad. And I kind of did that on purpose. Just as you're saying, I wanted to have that Mm self-discovery. I found art at that time. I spent those several months in Barcelona and and captivity and isolation and self-imposed isolation not trying to blame anybody except for myself self-imposed isolation really was so that I could figure out what to do I understand I have a lot of energy once I sink my teeth into something I don't really like to let go with that energy so I sat for several months and tried to figure out the patterns in my life, what I was willing to sacrifice for, things like this. And so it may shock you to hear, but when I think of who am I, what is it that makes me up, like musician is not one of the first words. Music just happens to be the vehicle. Right. Well, it's funny. I, I was having a thought while you, while you were talking about using your voice and language is really more of your trade because I know that you have also been an actor on stage, I don't know if you know, I did some voice acting too for radio and some training materials for the military actually and some other stuff too. That's a definite part of the music that you do is also a vehicle for the the language. You know, learn what I could, get my language skills up, maybe Maybe someday someday I'll I'll be good. good. Are you saying um, as a full representation of who you are being good or you being good at just being a writer? uh, Yeah, at language. I think that is something I attempt to do with my writing is make it so that you could instantly take an impression away and go, oh, this is what they meant. But I like the idea that it is open enough that it could be interpreted in multiple ways, which means it will be more relatable because more people are going to be able to relate to it, different experiences and backgrounds. And it'll still make sense for them because at the end of the day, ideally, I blow up and all this music goes everywhere. Not all these people are going to meet me know what my intentions were for any of this music so most of the value of art i would like to think as someone who would like to be a professional artist is going to come from what the art says for itself without anyone knowing anything about me so if that makes them question how it would apply to their own life more then job done i guess i also think that 
in the same regards, why do people want to read autobiographies or biographies about a person that they're interested in their art? Mm. It gives them the ability to recontextualize the work that they've interpreted themselves. I don't know. I, I, I think it's I'm a sure very it's a very interesting question that you've brought on. I've spent a lot of time thinking about the purpose behind crediting the purpose behind studying renaissance artists and things what's the pattern between all these renaissance artists that made them such a global phenomenon that blew up beyond these national or at least local region boundaries broke the ceiling of their own homes and it's usually they brought in and collaborated mixed coordinated with ideas that were outside of their own their own realm mm. their own local region Almost to a T, when you look at the Renaissance artists, they all spent a couple years with some friend who did not speak their language. Some artist, some master, some tutor, some etc. went and studied at a school. I saw that partway through college and was like, oh, that's that awesome. I don't know what that means exactly, but I'm going to keep looking at it. And so I think that there is something to... The idea of like, I don't think I'm Prince, but if I watch Prince's documentaries, autobiographies, etc., not only mm. will I see names that I've seen in Quincy Jones documentaries and things, and this is the point of the crediting system is, if you're going to teach yourself how to be innovative, if there are no original ideas, just new ways to use what has come before, then it is helpful to understand how people took and remixed the ideas that came before and if it means that they continually put themselves in new environments and things like that, then that's what I wanted to do and wanted to try and stimulate other people to do or encourage hmm. other people to do. And whether or not that's a physical change of your environment, sometimes it can just be opening your mind. Here's the part where I say and tell you what my favorite part of this <laughs> is. Right. Swayed, if we don't ignore the rules of the game, then... But then some things never change. Whether you can or you can't, you're probably right. Should I follow my own advice, raised to believe what I say, not what I do, but also told to practice what I preach? That resonates with me. Oh, I think I, I was know. starting a story earlier off that line, and it was because my mother had told me at one point oh. after college, I was like, wait. She's like, why are you doing this? I'm like, because this reasoning. And she's like, oh, that makes sense huh and i'm like yeah why didn't you do that one thing that was comparable and she's like well you know oh i do what i say not what i do and i was like that's a bad excuse right. parent and role model who's also an elementary school teacher you know better yeah all right <laughs> do you have a favorite part i think the lines that were f that felt better for my own venting was probably the end of the second verse but the end of the first verse the ones that you just brought up felt better to say on behalf of friends uh -huh. and situations that I have seen come across my path, I guess. I always assume that like at some point in life, there was always that moment when we wish we could have not been silent and stepped in, mm. whether it's consciously in our memory. There's that moment where we superimpose the opportunity onto, okay, now I can do it in this moment. Is it really the person in front of you that deserves this energy and that actually did the thing that's something that i constantly question for myself and so that line i felt like was a good direction of how to forward the conversation i suppose why did you choose this to be your favorite song to talk about i chose this song to be the one to talk about for today for quite a few reasons i haven't even mentioned this producer that like discovered me a year and a half ago a few months before covid hit this person found me and basically long story short was like, I don't mean to gas you up, but like, I think you have a lot of greatness in you. I want to support that. You want to come by for an hour or two every week? I would love to help tutor in whatever way I can. My value is as an A&R consultant within the industry. And also I'm a producer, make beats. Mm. And it turns out he really makes beats mm -hmm. like no one I've ever seen before. So after being the person for a decade who's been recording everybody else and making beats for them, I found somebody who was like, I really want to do this for you. Mm. And I spent a cool. couple months kind of being like, I don't know what to do with this. Da, 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 da. And then at one point he was like, I'm not trying to pressure you. 
I see how dedicated you are. Mm. You are going to get better day by day. So just start and do things. At this point, he had given me almost a new beat every week for a couple weeks. And I still had given him nothing back, right? So I made five songs in one week and showed up the next week. And he was like, oh, you were serious. And I recorded three or four of them already at home too, right? Cool. And done the layering and all this. And I was like, I understand that like people say things. I mean the things I say. And then I will spend the time to follow up on them or stay awake every single night thinking about it. I remember one of the first times I showed up for like three, four hours, he made a beat for me on the spot as I wrote to it. And we like, I just asked him every question I could think of for the next couple hours. And then I mm. came back for about a month, did that. COVID. Right. <laughs> oh, geez. That stopped. Um, but we were still in, in contact. Um, I spent the past year and a half basically sitting on those five songs and several dozen that i've made since i've made a band that has almost two dozen songs done that no one knows about we did show up at open mic a couple weeks ago at nola's unbeknownst to like anybody and then haven't been back since but yeah i mean it all circles back to me wanting to make this my actual living and so i used to feel rushed and pressured to put out a right. song because it's like, oh, I can't go do this interview until I have this song out. I'm not a musician. And then I have to remind myself, no, as it turns out, I still do this and can talk about this for way too long for most people. No, this is good. <laughs> well, I wasn't invited to an interview, so hopefully you would want to hear this. But like, not exactly. everyone wants to. And it's a good thing to recognize. And that has to go into the song crafting and everything else that we do to make this a living. If I want it to be a living, then I want to figure that out. So I sent this song because this was supposed to be the first song I finished. The version that I had sent to you, while that's not the final version, I have what is probably going to be the final version sitting on my computer at home. Mm. And I'm sitting there looking at it, listening to it on five different speakers and in the car and on headphones and off the five phones and, and tweak that just a little bit and tweak that just a little bit. And so I gave you that song to... Now I officially have a deadline. That song has to be done. <laughs> and, you know, it is. It's a matter of me maturing and getting to the point where I can say, this art project is done. Not because there's not more I couldn't do on it. Because it's time to move on. And what I wanted to say, what needed to be said or whatever, has been accomplished. Even in the midst of the current coronavirus pandemic, the Jubilee Cafe is continuing to serve packaged, home-cooked meals free to all every Monday evening, 5 to 6.30 p.m. Meals are available for pickup outside the 6th Street door to the Community United Church of Christ in Champaign, Illinois, 805 South 6th Street. Jubilee Cafe's mission remains the same. Feed hungry people by cooking healthy and delicious meals. We are open to anyone who cares to receive a meal. For information on the meal or how to volunteer, go to the Jubilee Cafe CUCC Facebook page or email us at jubilee.cafe at community-ucc.org. Welcome back. Humbly G, mm -hmm. do you have a favorite venue in Champaign-Urbana? Cool. Let's see. Favorite current venue, I would say, is between, I'm going to cheat, between NOLA's and Rose Bowl. Mostly for the reasons that I see them opening their doors to pretty much whoever, not obviously, whoever shows up. Don't go show up with like your 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 dad and his friend just to get them out of your house right like right. that's not fair to other people anyone who is legitimately like seeking an opportunity and is serious about trying right right they seem to have some very open door policies for that and that to me is one of the best ways to grow the music scene because mm. i can tell you there's a lot of people who would like to be involved in the music scene that are not 18 and i don't oh. know what to tell them if the best right. answer is the once a year ISYM camp that you have to get a sponsorship or pay hundreds to thousands of dollars to be a part of, mm. 
not terribly accessible. Not as much as it could be. Room for improvement, right. at the very least. Since you brought that up, you were a... I was a you camp were, you volunteer were, instructor or something at the ISYM camp, yeah. Yeah, so you taught hip-hop, right? Yeah, I was at the hip-hop camp. Excellent. So obviously, when I bring up the ISYM camp, I'm not trying to badmouth it or I wouldn't no. have been a part of it in the first place, right? Right. The problem with the Boys and Girls Club is they can't help all of the boys and girls, right? Like, that's right. not on them. That's right. a lack of resources and ability, hands, volunteers, time, accessibility, and being able to match all of those things up. So ISYM camp is basically every summer the University of Illinois has a bunch of music camps, and hip-hop camp is just one of them. Mm. Um, there's band camp and there's like orchestra camp or whatever and strings camp. I obviously don't know all of the games or I would have better labelings, uh -huh. but I do know there's over a thousand kids. There are in, they're mm. in the thousands. Yeah. Um, not just the hundreds. Hip hop camp started five, six years ago, had at the beginning only five students. This wow. year with COVID, ISYM camps were all cancelled except for the hip hop camp because their demographic was almost entirely townies, locals, who otherwise would not have any access to such programs or things to stimulate this music education. Almost all of the other camps were campers from out of town who could also afford to have lodging, who could also... But with COVID, right. none of that became a possibility. So, uh -huh. through a strange set of circumstances... The only camp that wound up going on was traditionally, historically, the smallest and newest of the camps, which has also, from my attendance at the very least at one or two of the year's end of the week performances that are open to the public, one of the loudest and like biggest hearted camps, like the 10 students and they're chanting down on their way to the stage and then through the entire song, everyone's jumping and the crowd's into it and chanting on the way back wow. and... Everyone wants to be in hip-hop camp. And so, yeah, hip-hop camp is what I was a part of. I was, I had asked uh, about a half a year ago to be an instructor because my good friend Black Mage, Will Drake of the Black Mage, has been the instructor for them since the beginning for the past five or six years, if I'm mistaken. And I asked if I could come in and be a part of that. They said yes. The only reason there is a discrepancy in my language about what my role was is because they had accepted me as an instructor, but... Because of the nature of hip-hop camp and trying to give as much to the kids and as many kids as possible, they allocate that funding priority-wise for sponsorships. And yeah. these kids who were you interested in, you applied, but you otherwise won't be able to, mm -hmm. they take that funding, they go to those teachers who they had talked to formally or whatever and say, would you be willing to volunteer, more or less, and we're going to use this to bring more kids into the camp. So wound up. I think they only had one paid instructor or professor for the whole program. And it was kind of like everyone had offered pretty much to give up their pay is my understanding. Wow. They kind of insisted on paying the professor because the professor was coming in from out of state and all that oh, stuff. Yeah. So, so I was a volunteer officially. But yeah, you basically show up all week and it's a group of kids. I think there were a dozen this year, uh, which given COVID, still impressive. Totally. All of the kids made one, if not more, songs by the end of the week and then performed it on stage and mm. got up in a group song. Cool. Yeah. So what, what's the age group of this group? Middle school, high school. I think the youngest... <laughs> oh, he was awesome. I think he was maybe 10. Wow. Okay. And then 12 after that was the youngest, I believe. You learn more about your own like craft as you teach someone else and you pass Definitely. it on so i think i don't know i think that that's just it's awesome that you you did that and did the, the camp i so. was just happy to be involved and very uh thankful that dr cruz and professor lamont holden and my friend voldrega the black mage d'angelo brown were willing to speak on my behalf and reference me and get me in without them i wouldn't have been able to have that experience myself you know besides the big concert at the end was there anything particularly in the program that a day that just stands out in your mind there's something that that sticks out in your mind that was like something that was just meaningful to you <laughs> there's a couple of things worth bringing up i think the thing i'll start with is the thing that hits me the most both in a good and a bad way there's a 12 year old and he goes by the name of NVO, which stands for negative vibes only, which tells you just how his world has already been shaded at that mm. age. He's in this group of rappers. These kids have been clearly doing these for a couple of years. They're a little bit 
ahead of some of the others. They're kind of like off in a room on their own with one or two producers, these three. At one point, it's his turn to be on the mic. And he goes from like, you know, clearly everyone's kind of looking up to him in some way, emotionally or whatever, as a leader. And when he gets on the mic, he goes quiet. Well, after working with enough people who I'm fine having in my life, but may not have always been fine having in my life if I had met them at an earlier time in their Mm -hmm. life, have started to recognize the people who have actually had trauma and gone through trauma and the people who have just been around it. And I suspect NVO may have been on one side of that fence more than the other, than these kids. And when he gets to the line where he says, don't turn around, I'll shoot you in the back. He gets especially quiet and timid and doesn't want to say this because he knows the teachers aren't going to be happy about these being these sorts of lyrics, right? Right. Is my impression. Yeah. So at this point, we can do the thing where we go, yell, 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 Charlie Brown, adults, garbled words and feelings are coming at you. And so at that point, instead, uh, while someone else was recording, I asked him to like step out in the hall for a second so I could go over some tips to get him more confident on the mic. And we walk outside and I go, hey, friend, look me in the eyes and tell me that when someone threatens you while they're looking the other way, that's scary. Do you know what I'm saying right now? When you say that line on the mic, don't look away because I'll shoot you in the back and you say it off the mic, don't get on a stage to say something and then eat the words. If they were worth writing on the page and were worth saying on the stage, then get up there and say them in a way that people are going to hear and feel. And there will be no question that you will back up your words because you did not turn away when you said them. Mm. For good or bad, I suspect that will make you into a happier person, put you in a lot more situations that you'll be happy to be in. And by the end of the week, he was one of the louder people. Mm. That was day two. That was a little bit of a heavy moment. I then wrote a song over that next week that ended with something like, I then had to tell a 12-year-old to speak up about this bar, about don't turning around or I'll shoot you in the back for survival. Because that was where that line came from when they said it. Because they believe that is how they will survive. And they're 12. I think that story is worth passing on because whatever we can do to stop those stories from spreading are worthwhile. On a happier note, again, right? Like this is the same thing with Wake Up. It dives down and then it, it comes back up. If you didn't have those heavy talk moments, you wouldn't have the opportunity for the growth afterwards. And unfortunately for a lot of us, COVID has exaggerated a lot of our previous problems or lack of self-care opportunities. And same thing for me. One relationship kind of blew up. And I remember at one point we're talking and afterwards about, you know, where we could have talked better or whatever. And there was a moment where someone said, I didn't want to talk in the moments of conflict because it felt like a moment where we could only drive the divide further between us. And, you know, with like a tear in your eye, you have to look back and the other person says, well, indeed, it is possible. But whether that's true or not, those feelings deserve to be vented, shared, and it could be an opportunity for us to grow closer and for you to learn how to better share those feelings in a way that are not attacking or obligating something from the other person but are simply sharing whether or not we still have this chance i hope we both can in the future remember that even if it doesn't work out in that moment because we chose to spoke up we need to speak up more often because of that moment right by the end of the week nvo coming on stage every time before that he'd be like negative vibes by the end of the week nvo Uh he was like considering changing his name and stuff they had gone from being wanting to call the shooters to shoot to create. The point is, no matter how ill-intentioned we think the energy is, Darth Vader still came back for the end, baby. I don't know what to tell you. So there's hope for all of us. <laughs> yeah. And he was a curmudgeon old man, from what I understand, lived a little bit longer than the usual suspect. So might be yeah. more hope for those who haven't been down that path quite so long. That week I went and did that camp, I actually had to put off another program with kids that I did this past week that I was just mentioning to you. And so it wound up being super helpful for the Uh. next like 
one just continued to fold into the other. This section is about the whole music scene, not just these little microcosm that the university offers us. Because that reaches further, I then was able to go on and ask myself, how do I apply these same sorts of things to the kids I'm already working with? And it was also good for me that week because I got to see that, oh, whew, I do know what I'm talking about. Like, oh, okay. Realistically, the program spans eight hours, five days, so 40 hours-ish mm -hmm. with these kids they get with wow. multiple instructors and we get the University of Illinois music building facilities and computers, all this stuff, right? I've been running programs for kids doing the equivalent in the span of five hours on my own. Mm. So it makes me feel a lot better that I know what I'm talking about. It also makes me feel like I can pace things a little bit more and not feel like I'm in such a rush. That has been probably the best takeaway. And as that applies to the music scene as a whole, the music I'm doing, whether it's the band I'm with or whatever, I haven't been performing very much the past couple months, despite invites to online open mics and in-person open mics and things, because I've been trying to teach myself and 20 other people the entire process of how to become a published author, how to publish their works once they are a published author, huh. how to put that published author code that says it's theirs into their works like a painting would have a watermark and then how to find a service that would follow up on that for you so that you don't have to peruse all of youtube to find all of the kids that are taking your things or tiktok or instagram etc right. and instead you will simply make money every single time it is shared used watched, viewed etc but it's a lot of steps to go through yeah. before you get out the house so <laughs> almost there almost and uh i think i've now helped a friend start his own record label i've started my own record label and i'm still you know trying to find time to work with everything else the music scene yeah. for me if i was a kid wanting to get into the music scene how do if adults don't have an answer for that i can almost guarantee you kids probably have less of one they are very creative and imagine less obstacles than we do. But when they also don't know about the resources in the first places that exist right. in the town, I have heard the words out of people with funds from the university that say, we have funds, we don't know how to find the people in the community to get them to them. Which I'm sure out of context sounds absolutely ridiculous. Did you just walk around town? Like... Right. But or did ask, but in reality it's not so simple. And it also the difference between giving a man a fish and teaching a man to fish. As right. I've been trying to describe it more and more to people, why can't we teach each other to fish and then share the haul at the end of the day? So that is why I have spent so much time trying to bring along kids, fathers and mothers and people who will continue to do music for the rest of their lives. Right. Whether or not anyone sees the value in them, in it, and reaches out a hand and gives them the opportunity. I have a friend who had a record deal at 16 years old, but they did the whole indentured servitude prince thing. We own you. And so he walked away mm -hmm. and since then has been like, don't want anything to do with anything highly organized, corporate, etc. Has continued to make music, is doing it at a professional level, and yet has been too broke to get any equipment that is more than 20 years new. So I hmm. give him my 11-year-old MacBook. He makes 30 beats in a week. He shows back up and I say, yeah, I'll pay you to show up and I'll train you. Half the time, I'm going to do what I want with the time to train you. Half the time, you can ask me questions and I'll answer them. And I will pay you for that time. We now have almost 100 beats after two months and he knows almost as much as I do on this program. You know, as we're hopefully getting more live music out, more venues opening back up, more people out and about seeing music. If we can take anything and say, we're learning, we're getting better, what would make a better music scene? One, an accessible performance and practice space for adults and for kids separately. Yeah. Partly it's a safety issue. Partly, do you want to be in the next room shouting obscenities and things that are important for the sake of getting across this idea that you've spent five years perfecting for this poem while there's a seven-year-old on the other side of the wall? Probably not. I, yeah, exactly. I've worked with a lot of hardened people 
who still would probably find a little hesitation in that moment. Right. And vice versa. Kids don't like sharing while there's a giant crowd staring. Not many people enjoy a large crowd actively staring at them while they're trying to do the dang thing. And the people that do usually prepared for it for years and things, knew about it, got paid to be there and expected it, providing a safe practice and performance space, both for adults and for kids. And so what I was talking about earlier with the Rose Bowl and Nola's yeah. being open door, I think they are doing in that ideal direction what could be done for providing adults that safe performance space, practice space-wise. That is asking a lot because you're, you're saying, what do we do? Do we rent a building and it's just open for people to come in and use all the time? Right. There's thousands of dollars of equipment. We have security. Who do we let in? Do you, you know, you've been here 10 days in a row. Now you can use the back room with the cool stuff. Like, yeah. So there are certain things that can be done like that to vastly improve the odds of how commitment works. Cause people who are living off of flips are not able to stay in one place for very long because mm. they ruin all of their bridges. So if you give people an actual way out of that lifestyle, then there is no reason to take advantage of it. Not an easy solution. What does that mean? We could have a community building, for example, the IMC, and we could put on monthly clinics, workshops, performance events yeah. targeted towards this idea. Years ago, there was something called the Institute for Creativity in town. Very unfortunate circumstances that brought that to its end. I was friends with the people who were running the booking for that there. And we had come up with an idea that we were about to start running there until its unfortunate end. And the event was basically, and this is how I feel about all good ideas, they're as good as the people who are going to follow through with them. So I really don't care about sharing knowledge. Cypher Sunday. I wanted to have an event that was not for an audience. Yeah. It was for the audience people that want to perform that want to vent that want to be around other creative minds the people who are writing at home and don't want to be on a stage but want to talk to other people who take this seriously the people who have something to say and they need to say it once and then they're fine and they can move on hmm. for the people whether it's a habit in your life a hobby a professional thing anywhere in between the most beautiful thing about the arts to me is that you can have a very healthy relationship with it no matter how much in your life it is. So if we can allow for that and allow for that to be on the terms of the person rather than the venue, entity, organization, etc., and still find a way for that entity organization to make its bills, then we have hit upon it. I am trying to go about this in a lot of different ways. <laughs> Had a couple different office spaces and things fall through in the past half year. A couple different curriculums that were supposed to start up. COVID being the primary obstacle right now, but also funding. I met someone over the past year who said, it's not the kids that are the problem. It's the adults. The money is there. We literally have been told. Then you ask, why is it not getting there? And the honest question is simply the people who are in charge of the money are not allowed. They're in charge of the money because people know that they have their hands tied and they're not allowed to give it away unless certain things are met. And this is used as leverage to guarantee a certain type of relationship in all this. So what you find is places like the Don Moore Boys and Girls Club. Fantastic place offering great opportunities. But if they want to have a picnic outside block party and the neighbors show up and start throwing bottles at kids and things, now no one has funding or block parties or anything. So what can you do, right? So the idea is you don't open your doors to everyone. You open a small door to everyone, and mm. then there is a slightly bigger door that is open to slightly fewer people. And to get through that door, you committed something. No, you gave yeah, to yeah. the system before the system gave back to you its support. So I've been working for about 12 years to try and figure out. At one point I had a website about a decade ago that was about to go live. I was going to have, it was called The Roof. Because that was where I had all of this come to my mind back uh -huh. there in Spain. And it was The Roof Within and The Roof Without. You'd go to the website, it'd be like a label. If you were a member, you could log in. The Roof Within. You're a member. You're an artist. Cool. Upload your music, message other musicians, talk to them, projects. Oh, when is this due? Can you send me that? There is this aspect to the crediting that we were talking about earlier and the uh -huh. autobiographies and why you would follow them. 
well, what if we could make that viewable to anybody? Again, in a constructive criticism sort of way. I have a friend who owns a skating brand and he goes skating a lot. You know, I never see videos of you like, it's always the videos of you making the trick, but there's never the like, the 10 hours of uh -huh. you trying it over the past five days. Why not? And there was kind of a silence and I was like, you want to encourage there to be more skaters, I assume, right? And he's like, well, yeah. I'm like, uh -huh. well, then how do you encourage people to skate more? You show them that you're fallen too. You just kept getting back up and didn't give up yet. And so they've started showing those videos more. And it's just, yep, day three of trying to land that trick. Didn't get it yet. Hmm. See you tomorrow. And like those have been really heavily supported because the people who are a part of that community recognize the effort that goes in to what it right. means to be a part of that community. And so if you can show that, they support it. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support Exile on Main Street. Exile on Main Street, located in the old train station building at 100 North Chestnut Street in downtown Champaign, has been helping to build record collections since 2004. Carrying a wide array of new and used LPs, CDs, and video games. Exile on Main Street has something for just about any music enthusiast and old school gaming devotee. Exile also hosts regular free live music shows on its stage, so be sure to check out their Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for the up-to-date details on the next upcoming event. Open seven days a week, they can be reached by phone at 217-398-MAIN. That's 217-398-6246. Welcome back. So, Humbly G, what is your favorite non-musical thing or things? So, I am a gamer. I'm kind of off to the side here because I'm pulling up this track I made years ago with my friend Black Mage that we never shared with anybody. <laughs> it's called Game Up. We started talking about all the games that we used to play. We're like, mm -hmm. oh man, what game do you think you played the most? a childhood to this oh, i lost a friendship to this one and he's like oh no i'll up you on that i um a little exaggerated but yeah. pretty close uh and so at some point we're like man we should make a list of all the games that we've like lost a lifetime or lifetimes yeah, yeah, yeah. too uh that'd be interesting to see just and you know pretty soon there's like a dozen at the top just uh, for me uh -huh. this is my list right uh, uh and the ones i kept right so <laughs> so we're looking at this and we're like okay if we didn't play at least hundreds of hours onto it it doesn't make the list all right we'll cross out one or two okay okay cool so that's reasonable we'll just make like four bars for every game and make a song okay uh-oh so i'm gonna share with you is it okay to share with you the bars i have for my game and sure I'll, sure I'll do it do it my yeah. love of games yes. as it pertains to but this. you you just basically took your non-musical thing and turned it musical oh so. i know yeah oh i mean i mean it's it's a great twist hey <laughs> go i'm trying it. to get better at the marketing all right no that's awesome please carry on <laughs> all right so the list of the games by the way i'll start i'll, I'll preface with oh, yeah that seems nice uh diablo the series one two lod three beginning of three haven't played it in years all right oh. starcraft again one expansion two return to castle wolfenstein the first game that i almost joined a gaming clan or whatever crew group uh -huh. we were rolling deep digitally or something i don't know it's <laughs> i literally like passed the auditions i remember i'd been like playing with them for months right uh -huh. online and like they're mostly european based and uh i'd been playing with them for months and i like just passed these auditions over the weekend and then our computer went down from a virus i got it back up a week later and couldn't find this was the days when they were trying to figure out like you can download it off the cd but how do we make it so you can't give it to your 10 friends we'll give them a cd key Oh. I had the CD, but not the CD key. Oh, no! <laughs> so I went from, like, spending half a year making this family community that I had yeah. just joined, and then literally never saw or talked to them again. <laughs> Pokemon, mostly the Game Boy games, uh -huh. let's be honest, and emulators in the years after, mostly in Ecuador on bad internet, because it was downloadable and you didn't 
need internet to play right. it. Uh, Counter-Strike, mostly beta. World of Warcraft, definitely lost two semesters of high school to that. The original, by the way. And then the first six months of the first expansion. Gotcha. Good times. The best times of World of Warcraft is my understanding. Uh, Elder Scrolls, Morrowind, the first game I ever beat single player. Uh, uh-huh. I never love. I never played video games until Morrowind unless it was with somebody else. Never enjoyed playing a video game unless it was co-op. I only got on Nintendo 64 for like Donkey Kong 64 and Mario Party and and those games. Like there was no purpose to these things other other than that. So Morrowind was the first thing where I'd grown to be able to be content on my own. Right. (laughs) Basically. So then obviously I played Oblivion and Skyrim after that. Borderlands, uh, one, two, and three, and some of the expansions. Fallout, I think I played two, and then three, Las Vegas, and then four, I have played so much. Like, I have a couple dozen characters in that. Skyrim as well. And then Dark Souls, ooh, baby! Jeez. That original. I, I thought you said you had only like a dozen, or you have more than a dozen. Well, I put Elder Scrolls. <laughs> okay. And like those three games were like, a, I know, I'm cheating again. Borderlands was a series. Diablo was a series. I Starcraft yeah, okay, was a got series. It, got yeah. it, got it. See, this was difficult. I, yes, I, I put a it. lot of time and energy into the Dragon Age, Inquisition. You got to the, uh, <laughs> the original. Yep. And then Destiny 2 and 3. And then there's a bunch of expansions huh. with that. Pretty much all of these two were like relatable to me to different eras, phases of my life, and friend groups where I would like, cool. I'm like a loner now. Oh, no, no, I'm not. Oh, cool. I have like, there's like a return to cast. I like talk to 20 people every day that I talk to every day for months. Mm. And oh, no, that's gone. And <laughs> World of Warcraft, right? Similar. Yeah. Th- and then, no. Back to living life. Well, maybe for a little that's bit. That's weird. <laughs> Nobody here talks to me. <laughs> All right. Well, so. Clip clap, now I'm talking like a clap trap. Badlands got me thinking I'm just mad hat. So many guns, I can never get enough. Loot box, give me blue, purple, orange, yeah, open up. I see the world in video game relationships. It's either nothing but feelings and nothing but the business and politics. I'll leave it all to Viv. I'd marry Cassandra, but Sarah, that girl knows how to live. Get the time and ride or fall forever flat. Rockets and swords and make your enemies forever mad. Into the dark of the night, shouting just one line. You can steal my light, but you can't block my shine. Oh, it's a reference I'm going to come back to. You ever start a habit that you just can't shake? Like how I like cookies a little too much to bake? But with the demon's trade, you just can't escape. Great light makes great shade, and your soul dark, a demon's fate. Fresh off the boat, they told me to pick my name. I had never played this type of game. Since then, I've seen wizards fall from the sky, fought Daedra Cliffs, zombies, and why? It was probably a prophecy. I know a guy ain't never had no luck, but he sure can talk, uh-huh, and shoot him up. Wasteland Capital offers caps for the Commonwealth. Minutemen on call, cause no Ghostbusters for the common help. Would that wicked kids weren't so spitefully curious? Could the fickleness be left over from fights where furious role models only tore them down instead of built them down? <laughs> I'll redo that one, sorry. So this is actually an outro line uh-huh. that has nothing to do with any of these games. It was an overall reflection on gaming culture and how we wanted to go into the future with this. It was... Would the wicked kids weren't so spitefully curious? Could the fickleness be left over from fights where furious role models only tore them down instead of built them up? It takes a town to make a town, and some of y'all been fucking up. Game up! <laughs> nice. I think I got through most of those. I was trying not to read D'Angelo's lines. All right, cool. Excellent. So that's, that's the game up thing. I figured yeah. that kind of, like, with everything, that was the time, right? Humbly G, thank you so much for being on the show and talking about your song, Wake Up, and the scene, being a counselor at ISYM, and just getting the opportunity to share your craft and teach others, even growing a little bit yourself and figuring out a little bit more about what you like to do with your work. We talked about a lot of things. Yes, we did. Yeah. So the important thing is, kids, take some time to figure out yourself. Thank you for being on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you again very much for having me. Thank you for listening to Champagne is also a band podcast. 
This is Humbly G, reminding you, great music is out there. Go find it where you live. You almost have an NPR voice, it's so good. And we went on this trail where we pick out cacao beans and then we came back and made chocolate. And we were all talking with the guy so much, he looks down and he goes, Oh no! And he takes them off. We burned it, so it's so bitter so bitter he's like yeah it's easy to burn and if you do there is no going back <laughs>